What is up, guys? You're listening to the MF CEO Project. I'm Andy. I'm your host, and I am the motherfucking CEO. Guys, if this is your first time joining us. Welcome. This is an entrepreneur podcast. Uh, it's going to be mixed in with all different kinds of things, um, lifestyle, motivation, uh, inspiration, tips and tricks on how to think. Uh, everything that you hear on this podcast is going to be practical to your growth. Um, some days we're going to talk more about you know actual specific tasks that you need to do as an entrepreneur. Some days we're going to talk about mindset. Sometimes we're going to talk about you know how you should react in certain situations. But all of it is going to contribute to your personal development, whether you are an actual business owner or whether you're somebody who works within the structure of somebody else's business. Thinking like an entrepreneur is how you become successful these days. So with that being said, I'd like to welcome my co-host, Vaughn, the pastor of disaster. What's up, my man? I'm good, man. But, uh, I, you know, I've always wondered what response I could give you in these opening lines that would actually make you laugh or completely, you know, shock you. Yeah. So what would that be? Well, if I have to tell you, it's not going to make me laugh because I want to know what it is. <laughs> but I mean, like, if, if, you know, you said, what's up? And I said something like, well, I was going to cuss, but I'm not going to. But... You know, if I this say is like, funny in its own right. I know it is a <laughs> yeah. little funny. I, I, just, I just can't think of anything that I do that would shock you. I don't get shocked. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, and I don't even in conversations with people that I don't think you could. Like, I'm not somebody who gets surprised like that. Yeah. Like, I just sort of roll with it. Maybe if I if I responded and I was like, "Yeah, bud," or something like that, that one might. <laughs> it might. I don't know. It might. You might need to work on that a little bit. Yeah, especially since I said "bud" and not "boy." Yeah. Yeah. So what's up with you? You got the cough drops out. You got uh, what are you sick? Um, um, yeah, I'm a mess. What do you 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 remind me of one of those kids that was probably allergic <laughs> to a lot of shit? Bubble boy. Yeah, bubble boy. Uh, no, it's just that time of year. Yeah, that time of the month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I knew I walked right into that one. Yeah, you did. So yeah, no, but uh, I have. So what are we gonna talk about today? Because we don't have like a specific set outline. We're gonna talk about cash. Cash, straight cash, homie. Straight cash. Straight cash. Cash money millionaire, right? Homie. That's right. Yeah. See, you like that. that I do like good, that. That was a pretty good rap I do like reference. That. So. so, I think that's a good thing to talk about because I feel like, the and I know this for sure, that the biggest reason that most small businesses ruin themselves is because they fuck up their cash flow. They don't understand how to manage cash flow because, you know... Like it or not, when we grow up in school and we go to business school and they try to teach us about business, they never fucking teach us how to manage cash flow. They talk about it in these big, crazy, un, uh, you know, comprehensible terms that nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. And it, you know, people go out and they start a business and then they have no idea what's coming down the road and, and they end up running out of money, not because they don't have money, but because they allocated on the wrong things. So I thought that, you know, us kind of addressing some of these things and telling you guys some of the stories that, that that we've screwed up on might help some of these guys who are just starting out. Because managing cash flow, guys, is the lifeblood of your business. You know, you're going to have to understand that it's not this thing where you go out and sell product and then you've got $10 million in the bank tomorrow. It's you've, you've it's like a river, man. And you've got to learn how to like guide the river into the into the power generation dam that you want it to go into and that shit takes skill and it takes experience and unfortunately 
most business schools don't teach us how to manage it in a practical way. So I think, you know, this could be a very helpful podcast for some of the guys who are just getting going or just starting out or within the first couple years. You know, it took me probably, it probably took me and Chris 10 or 11 years to figure out how to manage cash flow to where it's responsible. And apparently this is the number one problem for new entrepreneurs and new startups because uh statistically it's, it's, a, yeah, like statistically, a survey. it's right. the killer of most businesses right so if you if you do struggle with it and you're listening i mean you're not alone no I mean, you, everybody a does a lot of people right and you know you see these companies who even big giant companies have problems with this because it's always changing and the amount of cash coming in is always changing and you have to learn to see the 10,000 foot view of what's going on within your company so that you can make adjustments as you go to where the cash flow will still allow your company to operate. Um, you know, Mark Cuban has a saying that he says all the time that I, I agree with 100%. Uh, you know, sales cure all, and they fucking do. All right. So let's just start with that. Too many people out there right now, and too many of you guys listening, and too many of the new quote unquote internet entrepreneur mindset. They think they're going to come up with a product or a service or something that sort of like tricks people into buying it. And it's not something that really, truly, honestly solves a problem. If this is your product, if you look at your product and you think, well, it sort of solves a problem, but, you know, not really. And you think you're going to make up the rest by like some fancy marketing scheme, you're going to fucking lose. Okay, that's step number one. Your product, your service, your business, whatever concept if you if it does not solve a legitimate problem for people that is going to that's going to solve the problem in such a way that they're going to talk about it with their friends you've got the wrong business model because i can tell you from experience you have to have something that's going to be organically shared for your company to scale and that means people are going to have to say oh wow i really like this product it solves this problem perfectly and Go out and tell their friends. I mean, let's look at something as simple as the fucking Snuggie, all right? The Snuggie is probably the dumbest looking fucking thing on the face of the earth, all right? But what it do? It solved a fucking problem, a simple problem. When you got a blanket on, you can't use your fucking arms. So they made a, they took a robe and they turned it backwards and they, made, they called it a blanket with arms and they made fucking hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm not saying your product has to solve fucking world peace, but it's got to solve a legitimate problem and a clear problem. And if it doesn't and you think you're going to make up with it with some creative marketing, you're going to lose. That's just a fact of the matter. So before we even get into cash flow, if you're in the early stages of your business and you're one of these people who's looking at their product and they, they secretly know like it's not what it should be, then don't fucking do it because you're going to get your ass beat. Just that, a matter of... That's, that's the foundation. Yeah, it has to, it has yeah. to be there. Yeah. So... Um, so let's say you do have a product that solves a problem and, and you have cash coming in and you're trying to grow and scale a company and that could be very overwhelming and very confusing to somebody who's never done it, especially someone who doesn't have someone that they can rely on to help coach them. So my number one recommendation would be find someone that you could talk to on a regular basis that can help direct you like a mentor on how to scale your business properly and help 
prioritize where you need to be spending the money. Because the first thing people do when they get a little bit of money coming in is they like to take it. Because there's a saying out there that says, pay yourself first. All right? And I 1,000% disagree with that statement. I don't even know why it's out there. Because if you're the pay yourself first guy, then you're going to end up owing your employees, you're going to end up owing your vendors, you're going to end up owing all the people that you need to pay, and eventually your business is going to end. So you're going to have to realize that paying yourself last is the reality of entrepreneurship. It just is. Pay yourself a decent livable wage, bonus yourself out at the end, whatever you know, whatever's left, and that's it. Um, so I've got a number of steps here that I'd like to go through, and one of them is, number one is... <clears throat> You know, people always hear that there's always that saying, right? It takes money to make money. So they spend their money on things that they don't really need to spend it on because they think they need to be playing business. All right. Um, You see this a lot with like younger entrepreneurs, like they'll go out, they get a little bit of cash flow coming in and they go spend it on like office furniture because they want their name on the fucking door Um, or they go spend it on, you know, a new office space or a new this or a new that or a new forklift because they want like the new shiny forklift to run through their warehouse whenever the people come see it like they become proud about shit that doesn't really even matter when it comes to running a business and you have to realize how to prioritize those things okay your job is to make a company your job is to sell shit your job is to reinvest the money that you make from selling the shit until you get the company to a place where you want it to be now I call this playing business, all right? Playing business is, you know, going out, starting an LLC, getting business cards, putting your name and a nice shiny plaque on the office, you know, and like people who have never been in business, they think this shit really matters and it doesn't. You know, they want they want to walk in, they want to see their fucking name on the desk, they want to see their their nice little arrangement of pens, you know, they want to have their special pen that they sign documents with, their Mont Blanc, you know what I'm saying? And they want to fucking act like they're some sort of business dude. And that's called playing business. And people who play business never fucking win. All right? I've never seen one. The guys I know that do well, the guys I know that succeed, the guys I know who are out there making millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars don't give a fuck about any of that. They're focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's how do I fucking solve a problem. Okay? So quit spending your money on dumb shit that doesn't matter. What do you, what do you think about the guy that says, well, perception is reality, Andy, so I have to, you know, I have to put on a good you know, presentation. I have to be in the minds of people really well put together so that, okay. There's certain know. businesses where that's required. Mm-hmm. All right. Like if you're in a financial, uh, you know, some sort of financial business and you need to meet people and, and there's traditional, uh, business practices that are, that are the standard of how business is done. Um, yeah, I think that was relevant phrase earlier in time. More relevant, yes. Yeah, like, I just dude, the guys it, I know, like right now, like the guys I know lending big money and bar, borrowing big money, they're doing it over fucking barbecue. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not in a bank right, office. The days where you walk around with fucking business cards in your pocket. That like, shit, it, yeah, it's it's it's, it's becoming outdated. Like people care more and more and more about what you're really doing. Right. And so like while I agree that perception is reality in certain things, it's becoming less and less relevant of a concept. And people get co- so caught up in the perception of reality is uh, that they that they spend all their money on the perception, none of it on the reality, <laughs> right, right. you know. And they end up in a situation where they can't they can't run their business. So um, I think everybody listening knows what I'm getting at, you know, with these points. Just be scrutinize where the fuck you're putting your your money. 
uh, when it comes to like operating your business. Put it, put it into inventory. Put it into your product. Put it into improving the product. Put it into fucking salespeople that go out and sell the product. You know, do it into things that are going to generate revenue, not things that are going to create a perception of revenue. So that's point number one. That that sounds like the number one criteria. I love that. I just want to draw that out again. Invest the money in things that generate revenue. Not things that create the perception of revenue. Right. Which is internet culture right now. Right. Um, number two on my little scratch outline here is people, <clears throat> they pay for things before they need to. And what I mean by this is like, you know, and I'm not talking about your bills. Like, you should always pay your bills on time. Uh, you should always pay your invoices, uh, you know, on time. But there's no need, and and there's no need to, like, pay that shit two weeks early or three weeks early because you're trying to stay ahead. You have to be cognizant of the flexibility that working with certain partners allows you. So, utilize the timelines you're given the proper way responsibly. Like, don't, don't, don't go to somebody... Like for a long time, you know, Chris and I would never would never utilize terms because we were afraid because we never had any money. So like companies would offer us 30 or 60 day terms and we wouldn't use them because we were afraid that 60 days would come and we fucking wouldn't be able to pay. And because we were we were poor at managing cash. We were inexperienced. So the worst thing I could imagine is 60 days come and due and me not being able to pay my bills. Like I, you know what I mean? Like right. that to me, like that's embarrassing. Some people can live with that shit. It's not my thing. Um, but we used to do it to a fault where it capped, it capped our growth to where we couldn't use the, the, the flexibility and the timing to finance our company the right way. So you have, you know, don't be, a, if you've got a legit, like if you've got the basis we talked about, if you've got a legit product, you're investing in things that are going to create revenue, don't be afraid to utilize the flexibility that your other vendors and your other companies are willing to, to lend you. Now, on the opposite side, don't abuse them either. Because a lot, I think a lot of people abuse those things. You know, they get 30-day terms, they start paying on 60 days. And, dude, that's a death sentence. You can never get out of that trap. You know what I mean? Pay your bills on fucking time. Decide what a reasonable amount of time is and use that time effectively. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess that's your second and third point. You just kind of brought them together. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, that is. So, um, I mean, we right here we have we have basically two different kinds of people. We have people who want to pay real early. That was always me, all right. And that limited. I probably could have got ahead by three or four more years from where I am now if I would have figured this out earlier, all right. Because I always wanted to pay early. I never wanted to have any debt. I never wanted to pay anything. And you know, even to this day, um, you know, I get fucking. I can get 180 day terms with anybody that we work with because I know we're going to pay. I still only utilize 30 day terms at maximum. Because I just don't feel comfortable outside of that zone. So you have to decide what's going to be comfortable for you and be a responsible human with your cash. You know, that comes, you can always tell if somebody started their business with, with their own money because this is, they think like me. If someone started their business with somebody else's money, they'll get out there on the fucking 60 day, 90 day, 180 day terms and try to fucking, you know, stretch that shit out. You, you've just got to be responsible. But, you know, so the people that pay ahead, I, Obviously, my main point is, is by paying ahead, you're you're limiting your ability to grow just by just the same you would be if you paid late. Gotcha. That's my point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it may be more responsible and you might feel, be able to sleep better at night. But remember, you're also limiting your ability to grow. And we're only in this game for a certain amount of time. So you've got to capitalize on the time. Yeah, Does that make so, sense. Yeah. So it makes philosophical sense, but it makes no practical sense. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it's just a matter of comfort, you know? Like, dude, we started off so fucking broke that even to this day, I even made a status about it yesterday. Like, I wake up every day terrified, and I've got a lot of money. Like, we got a lot of money in the company. I got a lot of personal money. You know, like, if something happened to me, I could live for fucking many, 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 many years, if not life, without having to work. But I'm still freaked out about it. You know, and that's because I started with nothing. And you guys listening who started with literally nothing, and they, they, they know what, they feel what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And, um, but having that super cautious mindset about your terms and your business partners that you work with can, can severely limit your ability to do things, uh, you know, that would otherwise help your business. What if you could pay two or three salespeople uh, for a month and, and by not paying your bills on 15 days and paying them on 30 days, how much more would you sell? You see what I'm saying? Things like that. So you just have to think those things through and you have to understand that there's a price to every decision that you make and it's always something that you need to like really sit down with somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. Dude, having a great CPA, a great bookkeeper who's experienced, you know, that can make a huge difference. Like, like, dude, our accountant uh, who's run our books since day one, you know, he was young when we, when we started. So we've gone through a lot of like, and I, and, and dude, he's a great friend of mine, so I don't want this to sound the wrong way. Like he's grown with us and learned with us and dude, together we've made bad mistakes, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that we didn't have that we lost by doing dumb shit, by just making poor decisions. And, you know, I'm thankful for that now because I know things, but you know, and I didn't have a choice because he was so cheap. I couldn't afford a real CPA or a real bookkeeper. But my point in this is that you know, if you can afford somebody who is who is experienced, make that investment in a CPA and a bookkeeper because they can really help you figure out how to maximize your your flow. Yeah, that that goes along in my mind. That goes along with your first point, which is make sure you pay for things that are going to help revenue. Right. If somebody's helping you manage your money well, then obviously that's going right. to benefit. But you. that's but they don't see that's a big balance, right? A lot of people see those things as as expenses and not investments because they don't see the downside. Like <clears throat> having a great CPA, having a great bookkeeper who's experienced, that's not a cost. That's an investment. You know, having amazing salespeople, that's an investment. You're getting a return. You know what I mean? Having a super effective marketing, that's an investment. That's not an expense. It might be an expense on your fucking balance sheet, but if you're doing marketing the proper way, it should be providing a return. And it's all how you think about, <clears throat> I think you're giving me your fucking coffee here, bro. But um, it's all how you think about it. And too many people look at things as expenses and not as, as investments. So, you know, and a, and a good CPA, a good, uh, a good, uh, bookkeeper and eventually a good CFO, that's a huge investment because you get huge returns on it. Right. So you've identified two bad practices that both have to do with paying for things. But right. what about the other side of like receiving payments from your customers? Is there like so a that's typical a, bad practice? Yeah, that's a great point because I think a lot of people, especially when they're in something where they have receivables, they're not good at collecting money. They're scared to ask for the money. And they don't have the policies in place that they, you know, impose because let's face it, there's no there's no uh, quote-unquote policy enforcer or company that goes out and enforces your policy. You've got to enforce it. So, um, you know, when you're a young business or you're just getting set into your ways, you have to take the time to develop a clear policy, you know, a fee penalty, you know, after late payment, stoppage of service, 
uh, one, two, three steps. You know, this is what happens at 30 days. This is what happens at 60 days. This is what happens at 90 days. And you have to go develop the policy of what's going to happen if these people don't pay. Because, and you have to have them sign off on that so that they understand that up front. Because if you don't ever enforce payment, like we went back to uh, a couple points ago, there's a lot of people out there that will stretch you out until you know you can't even operate your business because you're not collecting money to operate. So you have to be firm in your policies um, about how people are going to pay you. Now, let me add an asterisk to this because there's going to be situations, especially if you're in business for long enough, where you've done business with somebody for 10 years or, or eight years or seven years, and they've always they've always been there for you. And they're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, look, I need to work something out because business is fucked up right now. And I would encourage you to be very flexible in those situations because at the at the end of the day, business, especially small business, is so much reliant on relationships. And dude, I could tell you every time I've ever cut somebody a break or did something right, the nice, the quote unquote right slash nice thing for someone, it's always come back later tenfold. Not just financially, but friendship, relationship, and every other way. So be firm, but also, you know, be fair and flexible to people who have earned your trust. You know, what goes around comes around. That's right. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah, so you have to have, you know, a a very clear plan. Um, I don't think, I don't think people put enough time into into thinking about how they're going to collect their money. They just assume everybody's going to pay and, you know, when you have receivables, I would say 70% of the people will pay on time and you're going to have to fight for fucking 30%. So you need to have a clear, you're going to have to. So you're going to have to put a clear policy, X, Y, Z, this is what happens if you don't pay on this timeline and enforce it. Would you actually encourage people to go to small claims court? I would encourage people to put everything in the policy that they need to get their money and stick to the policy 100%. So you find a good lawyer that can help you write up a great policy and figure out how to uh, collect the money and whatever it takes to collect the money within that policy. That's what you fucking do. So, um, you know, this is not just about, you have to remember, it's not about you buying a car. It's not about you buying, going to the casino and spending 10 grand. This is about you paying your fucking employees. This is about you putting food on their table. It's about, that's the part of being a CEO that people don't really understand is it's not just about all the glorified shit. You have tremendous responsibility to other people to run your business in, in, a, in a responsible way. And collecting money is just one of those parts of business. There should be nothing personal about it. You should never, and this goes for you guys who are employees too, you should never feel bad or weird or awkward about talking about money. You should never feel like that. You know, money's not a four-letter word. Money is an essential part of you know, life, it's an essential part of our existence. It's an essential part of your existence and you should never be afraid to talk about it. So if, whether it's with a customer or whether it's with, uh, you know, a vendor or whether it's with an employee or whether it's, you're an employee and it's with your boss, money's just a part of the deal, man. It's nothing, there's nothing weird you should feel about talking about it. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, let me, let me recap here a little bit. So, uh, the cash flow mistakes that small businesses make, or which are common, is number one, they hear it takes money to make money, so they spend money on things that they don't really need to spend money on. Number two, they pay for things before they need to. Number three, on the other hand, they don't pay for things on time, so they end up getting penalties and fees and that sort of thing. And then uh, number four is they don't have set policies in places for late or non-payment for customers, and they aren't proactive about getting customers to pay. 
Right. All right. So, number five, big mistake that people make is that they rein in spending in places that they shouldn't. Okay, so like they they freak out because cash isn't there, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna slash all this shit, and instead of slashing things that they don't need, they slash the things that I spoke about a minute ago that are investments that are going to make a return. So what I mean by that is this: they'll say, oh, you know, we're thirty grand fucking short this month. We got to make adjustments this month. So they'll go out and cancel all their fucking marketing, right? Because their marketing budget is. 30 grand. Right. Or they'll go out and they'll cancel, uh, you know, sales people's budgets for travel or this or that. Or they'll do something that takes away something in their company that's actually producing a result or in the process of producing a result. And But they'll keep their personal assistant and they'll keep their leased BMW. Right. And they'll keep all the shit that makes their daily life comfortable. And that's the shit that you should be cutting. The, the fucking personal assistant, the fucking, uh, you know, the luxury car, the 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 expensing the travel, uh, all the shit for you. So you start cutting that shit out first and you let these other people go out and do their fucking job so we can get out of this cash flow issue. You know, but many, many, many businesses make the mistake. They'll fucking cut marketing. They'll cut their sales staff. They'll cut things that are actually going to produce a result. And when in reality, what you should be doing is probably reinvesting more into those people, not just money, but time and energy to help them be more effective. So stop cutting the shit that's an investment. Start cutting the shit that's a legit expense. In your experience, is the thing that usually goes first, is it the marketing? Yes, always, yeah. because people don't know how to market. So they, they, nine out of 10 of the people listening right now that are, that are in business, their biggest challenge is marketing. Mm-hmm. Their biggest challenge is getting attention. Because they, they've read all these fucking marketing books that are written 20 fucking years ago that make no fucking sense and they're not relevant in, these t- in this time. Or they didn't read anything and they just do what their competitors do. Okay? And you can never win like that. You can never win long term like that. You have to build an identifiable stand on its own brand that brings people in, gets them engaged, makes them feel a part of your company and makes your company feel a part of their lives and you have to build a real brand and that shit is not easy. You can't just do that mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, copying what your competitors do. It, you know, it's like copying a test in fucking high school. Like you're, you, you don't know the answers. So you're looking over at the dude next to you and you're copying that motherfucker. Well, you don't know if he fucking knows either. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And chances are when we talk about marketing, he doesn't know. So you're going out and copying some dude that doesn't know instead of going out and teaching yourself the skills that you need to learn to win. And that is a, that's a huge problem, and people don't understand it because, because they don't put the time into it. So when it comes time to cut something, they're not seeing an effective return on their marketing, so they just fucking cut it because they don't know what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? So like, oh, well, and sometimes it's working, and they don't even know it's working because they don't know how to track it. What do you say to the person who's like, well, you know, stands in front of his staff and says, you know, you guys just aren't doing doing what you need to do, so life's going to get a lot less comfortable around here. We're going to can the, I don't know, coffee machine, the free donuts, all that kind of stuff. Is that is that just cutting off your nose to spite your face? No. I mean, dude, I'm a big believer in making things very fucking tough on your employees when they're not doing their jobs. 
But there's a difference between making things tough on your employees when they're not doing their jobs or making things tough on your employees when they are doing their jobs and you're just too dumb to realize that they're doing their fucking jobs. And trust me, because I've done both. You know what I mean? It's very easy to blame everybody else. At the end of the day, it comes down to being responsible and taking responsibility for the company. If the fucking numbers aren't there, it's not their fault. It's your fucking fault. If it is their fault, it's still your fucking fault because you didn't stay on top of them, coach them, give them the skills that they needed to have, give them the uh, the autonomy to do the job. There's a million things you could be doing wrong. But at the end of the day, if the numbers aren't there, it's you. It's not them. So you've got to figure out how to make the numbers there. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for if I truly think that my employees aren't doing their fucking job, I will make shit uncomfortable. They know that. But if they're doing their job, I don't even care if they come to the fucking office or do whatever. Just do the fucking job. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there's pluses and minuses on both sides. But, no, I'm, you know, hey, you know, if we've got, when things are good, everything's good, you know, making it comfortable is great. But uh, the minute things start to go bad, you know, I make them uncomfortable shit so they appreciate the times when it's good and they want to make it good again. So, I don't have a problem with that. But I think a lot of people blame their employees for shit that's actually their fault. I think a lot of people, and, dude, you know, I used to do this a lot. You know, I would I would just get so pissed at them when in reality I wasn't giving them the proper things they needed to do to do their job. You know, and that's, you know, that's years ago. But the point is, I've been through that. So I know what that feels like. And it's, you know, it's counterproductive because then they end up fucking hating you. So you have a whole staff of people out there trying to fucking do the job for you. And you're just screaming at them all the time. Tell them how much they suck. Um, That's not going to end well for you. As a business owner. So you've got to be very, very uh, in tune with what the real issue is and handle the real issue. And another thing I'll say, too, is like, let's say you have a staff of 20 people or 30 people or 40 people and you've got three bad ones. Don't yell at the whole fucking team. Pull the three bad ones aside. You know what I mean? A lot of people do that, too. And I've done that, too, where I've yelled at the whole company for fucking, you know, 10 percent of the people that needed to get yelled at so to speak, or smacked in the ass, however the fuck you want to say it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. So I'm looking at the uh, photocopy of your notes here, and, and I'm actually a little surprised that point number six is they don't take advantage of credit cards because I, I guess the way I think, credit cards are, uh, at least in America, a very abused thing, and you're saying the opposite. You're saying that they don't take advantage of credit cards. Um, there's huge benefits to some of the, the way that the cards are structured. Um, for example, like a lot of my friends... They use a fucking black card to buy their inventory, hmm. all right? The Black American Express. Yeah. Let me tell you about the the, the Centurion card. Let me tell you about it. It's $5,000 a year, okay, to even have it. It's made out of titanium, okay? When you go to the bar and you're going to pay for a meal, you look badass. You, flick, click, you throw it out, it clinks on the table, everybody thinks you're a fucking baller, right? But it gives you no real benefit other than than what the platinum card gives you and it costs five grand a year. So American Express has this other card called the plum card. The plum card is a cash back card. Uh, You can get up to 2% back on whatever you buy. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm in business to fucking make money, not pretend to be a baller. So I would rather get, you know, 2% back for every fucking hundred grand I spend and be able to, you know, at the end of the year, I'm able to pay multiple people's salaries out of the cash back I get off that card. And you know what? I don't get to go to the fucking, uh, to the bar and pretend like I'm a fucking baller and click my card out like I'm some kind of fucking big dick motherfucker, but I'm also paying two or three other, four other people's salaries off of what I spent on the card. 
So it depends on what your priorities are, I guess. But my point being is that there's tremendous benefits to some of the cars for small businesses and people don't, you know, you've got to be savvy when it comes to finances because I don't know about you guys, but you know, I sure as fuck don't have all the money in the world. I know you don't either. So you have to pay attention to the things that you can utilize and 2% back on a year's worth of buying inventory. Think what that would do to your company. If you bought a million dollars with inventory, what would you do with an extra 20 fucking grand? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, and I mean, as I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You Not know, only two, that, if two, you even if you don't spend the money, it's a two percent extra margin on your fucking product. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, dude, you you know, people just they. You just got to be savvy, man. You've got to be aware. You know, I'm very lucky to have a great business partner who's very aware of these kind of things. But, um, you know, whoever it is. Whoever you deal with, whoever, uh, you know, you're in business with, you know, make sure you surround yourself with smart people, not people who just want to play business. Like that black card thing. Like when I see somebody with a black card, I fucking laugh at him. I'm like, you're a dumb motherfucker. You pay five grand for a fucking card. Don't mean shit. And anybody can get it. If you spent like anybody with a small business could, you know, could get one. Basically, if you're if you're a decent, you don't have to be, be decent sized. Right. It's just a, it's a, it's a fucking show off thing, yeah. right? Um, I know that there are people out there who would say, "Oh, two percent doesn't sound very like huh. a lot," but, but like you pointed out, if you're if you're spending hundreds, of I paid for my whole dollars, fucking, I paid for yeah. my whole creative team off my fucking off my plum card. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing, I mean, just goes down to the principle of really successful entrepreneurs say every little bit it counts. It does every little bit. Yeah, dude, I pick up fucking pennies when I'm walking down the street. People yeah. laugh at me. You know, I'm afraid that if I pass it, like I'm sending the wrong message to the universe. Like, <laughs> fuck, dude. That means the universe is going to think I don't need any more money. You know, so I pick up everything. And my last vacation was all reward points. Yeah, exactly. Flight, hotel, yeah. cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, people don't uh, people don't um, take it seriously and there's serious benefit to it. Um, the next point I want to cover, though, this is a big this is a huge point. Um because I really fucked this up in my business, and I want to stress how important it was. Uh, you, so many of you guys, you wait until you actually need a line of credit or support from a bank or a financial institution to go look for it. All right, and let me explain why this is a bad idea. When you need when you need money, you're risky. The banks see it. They see it in your books. They see it in your face. They hear it in your voice. They know you're fucking desperate and you need it. And they don't lend people money that need it. Okay? So you have to be very aware and you have to be very prepared ahead of time. And you have to develop uh, a great set of books. Okay? That's a point. That's that's point seven A. Okay? A lot of small businesses don't take books serious. If you don't have books, you don't even have a business. If you don't have a legit set of books, your business doesn't even exist. So make sure that you spend the money to get the proper reports, learn how to read financial documents, learn how to read a profit and loss, learn how to read a balance sheet, learn what all the shit means, and have your books ready to go all the time. Because I didn't even have a set of books in my business for for like seven years, and I had to go back and fucking recreate them. You know what I mean? Like, we had to go back and dissect all... It was a huge expense. And um, you have to basically understand that that shit is important because if you don't have a great set of books, nobody's going to lend you any money. All right. And, and people, people lend money on facts, not on what you're going to do or what you did. They lend money on what the fuck you have right now. 
And if you wait until you're in a situation where you need the money to get by, you're not going to ever get it. So secure the credit before you need it. Create a relationship with the bank, even if you're never going to fucking use the money. You know, even if it's a $10,000 line of credit, start a relationship. And then over the, over the you know, time of two, three, four, five years, you can grow that $10,000 line of credit into, you know, a million dollar line of credit. But if you, if you go in and say, I need a million bucks right now or business is going to fail, you're not going to get a million bucks because it's a risky thing. So you have to make sure that you're preparing yourself properly for, um, you know, the situations where you're going to need the credit ahead of time by securing it ahead of time. So what's your, what's your experience regarding the pros and cons of national banks versus local banks? Look, uh, we've only dealt with one bank and it was only for a few years. Uh, it was a small bank. Um, you know, they're a local bank. They were great to us. They treat us very, very well. Uh, we used them for four or five years and then we ended the relationship because they sold. Uh, and then we haven't used one since, but so I don't have a lot of experience with big banks. Uh, a lot of my friends use big banks. You know, when you get into that mid market cap where you're, you're, you're anywhere from, you know, $50 million to $500 million in revenue, you're going to need to go to a big bank to get the proper line of credit for most of the people listening. Now they're going to be able to go to a small community bank. And this is why small community banks exist is to help people like us. So you've just got to have your shit together. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So makes sense. Um, and I, what I like about a small community bank too is you can call and talk to the person directly. There, you know, we had the same guy. His name was Tony. We had him for the whole time we were there. He he he's still a friend of ours. He took care of us. He gave us good advice. You know, he taught us a lot of things. The you know the, the we're the anomaly, right? Like we've done it without much financing. Um, you know, a lot of people have to have it and. I would recommend building a relationship with a bank uh, from day one. Like even if you have even if you have nothing to get from the bank, go into the bank and meet with their loan officers and say, "Hey, the commercial loan guys," and say, "Hey, look, I just started this business. I don't really know uh, what it would take to work with you guys, but I would like to become a company for you to work with." you know, down the road, two, three years from now. So maybe I could come in, you know, once every quarter and talk to you about where our company is, show you our books so that they can begin to trust you. And so many people wait, they walk in off the street. It's the same as some dude walking up off the street to me and say, Hey dude, I need 10 grand. I'm like, fuck you, man. I'm not giving you 10 grand. It's the same thing the banks do. You know what I mean? They got to know you. So, you know, start that process proactively from the beginning. It's a, there's nothing bad that can come of it. You will learn a ton of stuff. You know, I have recently been reading up on the uh, the story behind. I, I don't know if you ever watch anything. You probably don't. But Chip and Joanna Gaines, they have the they have the big empire. It was a real estate empire. It's uh, Magnolia, and they've got a they've got a um, home improvement show on HGTV. But I, at one point when they were developing their real estate empire, they were short something like a hundred thousand dollars for the project that they needed that was that was supposed to be covered by the bank, and I was a little surprised. When, as they told their story, basically their contact at the bank, who they had a really good relationship with, basically said, hey, listen, I'll work with you. And I think maybe what people don't realize is that there aren't these hard and fast rules. No, that, right, exactly. Like, like there's a human now, element there. Is, there. there is with, when you get into bigger banks, it becomes more rigid because there's more financial restrictions. And and to be honest, the commercial uh, restrictions on, on business loans have gotten way more strict than they used to be. But- 
with small banks, there's all if you can develop a relationship like I'm talking about, there's huge amounts of flexibility that they can offer you. Like, dude, they don't want to lose their investment. So if if they if you have a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollar line of credit with a bank, and let's say you're out on it and you're short, and you go to them and say, "Hey, man, uh, we're I know we're out on the loan, but we need like another two hundred grand because we're going to do this, this, and this." That's that's what they that's what they essentially want. And that's how they want to grow the line. They don't want to grow the line when you don't need it. They want you to use the money. They want to earn the tr- you to earn their trust. They want to understand your business, and they want to know if they give you another two hundred grand. Not only are you going to fucking use the two hundred grand, uh, the four hundred grand that you now have, but you're going to go out and you're going to come back in a year, and and your your revenue is going to be triple, and you're going to need another two hundred grand. That's what they want, but it's the opposite of what people think, right? right? They're in, that's how they make their money. So they just want to do it without you going out of business. Right. But the success of that is driven by, well, obviously driven by the, uh, the success. All of the, the things of we the, talked about, but business. you have to start yeah. the relationship yeah, early. You gotta have the, right. the relationship. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So another thing people do with cash flow uh, to fuck up their businesses, and there is two sides to this, and I want you to listen very carefully. The first side is they hire employees before they need them. And what I'm going to, I'm going to preface this. They hire non-essential employees, okay? This goes back to the playing business shit. They hire a fucking secretary. They hire... Dude, we still don't have a fucking secretary to answer the phone here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, They hire a cleaning crew. They hire this instead of doing that shit themselves. Okay, so they hire non-essential employees too soon, and they hire essential employees too late, all right? And essential employees are this. People who sell your product people who service your customers, okay? Frontline people, all right? You have to look at them as an investment like we talked about earlier because when you put people out there, and let me just, you know, preface this with, with uh, let's say you're a company and you're doing outbound sales out of, your, uh, out of your office, okay? And you have three sales reps. And let's say each sales rep sells, you know, let's say you do 60 grand a month. So they're each doing 20 grand. All right, you're not going to get to a hundred grand if those people are doing eight to ten hours of work a day and maxing out at sixty grand until you add people in. So what I'm saying is, is people will say, well, when we get to a hundred grand, we'll add three more people. Well, look, you're not going to get to a hundred grand without adding three more people. So you got to look at it as an investment. And a lot of people don't do that when it comes to people who sell for them or people who service customers. Customer service reps, real ones, like in not fucking India, I'm talking about in America that can actually help your customer, those people are just as important as your actual outside sales rep because they could provide such a great customer experience with your existing customers that those customers will go out and organically share the story, which will help grow your transactions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, the both sides of this, don't hire non-essential employees until you actually fucking need them. All right? So let's use this example. Let's say you're you're to a point where, uh, you know, you have the three sales reps, and they're only instead of doing sixty, they're only doing forty grand a month. So they have a little extra time to clean up the office. So you don't have a cleaning crew, right? Um, that's how you should do it. Okay, for a number of reasons. Why it makes sense financially. Two, it teaches everybody discipline. It teaches everybody to be humble. It teaches everybody that it's a team effort. There's a lot of cultural reasons there that I'm a big believer in. Um, 
But let's say you got those three people and they're doing 60 grand and they're working fucking 12 hours a day busting balls and you still got them cleaning the office. Well, now it becomes a math thing, right? Do you want right. the fucking office clean or do you want the sales? And clearly the sales are more important. So you can either add more salespeople in, bring their volume down, and they can still clean, which is actually what we do because I believe in the culture of benefits of cleaning the office. We don't have a cleaning staff. Um <sighs> Or you can add a cleaning staff to relieve the pressure off these people and let them do their jobs, which is what most companies do. I'm just kind of fucking weird because I believe in in getting your hands dirty. So, um, Well, we used to, but we reversed it. Yeah, we did. Yeah. No, it goes back to what Vaughn said about making people comfortable. We used to have a cleaning crew, and, I, and, and these motherfuckers in the office got too comfortable, so I fired a cleaning crew and made everybody go back and clean the office. That's, yeah. I mean, it is funny that- They used to know. also have personal fucking parking spots out here. And I pulled up one day and fucking put them all in the back of my pickup and drove off without saying shit. Because everybody thought they were a fucking celebrity because they had a little fucking sign out here with their name on it. Yeah, You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those paradoxes that you, when, when people work hard, they get to a level where they, they feel like they've earned comfort. But then when they start experiencing the comfort... They get lazy. It, they get That's lazy right. and it undermines it. That's right. Yeah. So, um, all right. I don't even know where we were. You had... Uh, well, let me recap because um, okay. I... Uh, Let's see, starting with uh, point number five was they rein in spending in places they shouldn't. Number six is they don't take advantage of credit cards. Number seven is they wait till they need credit to secure it. Number eight is they hire employees before they really need them. Or you said the flip side of that is that uh, they don't hire employees that they really need right. soon enough. Right. And then number nine is your next point. Okay. Okay. Um, they aren't innovative in finding sources of cash, okay, or avoiding expenditures in cash. All right, look, and what I mean by this is this. If you're short on cash, you're driving around in your brand new car, you're a fucking idiot, okay? Sell your fucking car, invest your money in your business, buy a cheap, reliable car, and pay your fucking dues like every other motherfucker in the face of the earth that's built a successful company. People right now, they see, uh, you know, they don't want to take a step back. Gary Vee says this a lot. He talks about people, uh, and, and I agree with them 100 million percent on this point. And, you know, I don't agree with everything he says. I love Gary. He's my boy. But this is something I 1 million percent agree with, is that, you take a fucking, dude, you take your step back, you make yourself uncomfortable, and you fucking put money where it's going to make money, all right? It's a lot of people, like even me, you know, I'm into cars, I like the flashy shit, it's just my personality, you know, it's the shit I dreamed about my whole life, I'm in a position where I can afford to do those things. So they see me doing those things, and they think that's what being an entrepreneur is about. Well, let me tell you, I spent far, 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 far more years driving hunks of shit living like a fucking bum dude for years and years and years i had i had i don't even know how many more employees all of them make more money than me all of them that's what being a ceo is about a real ceo okay so you have to take your step back you have to understand that like dude i'm gonna cut the shit that's non-essential and i'm gonna fucking figure out how to make some cash flow happen and that's part of the journey. You know, I get questions all the time. I was looking through some of the questions for the Frisella Factor YouTube show, you know, and these people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to move out of my, I just got to this new house and, you know, now I'm having trouble with money. Well, fucking move out of it, motherfucker. You know, because that's what it takes. They don't want to take a step back. They don't feel like that's the, and you know what? Uh, that's just part of being an entrepreneur. It's part of being a CEO. You're going to have to be the first guy to make sacrifices, and you're going to have to be the last guy to reap the fucking rewards. And that's just the way it is. 
You know what I mean? Because if you're the dude driving around a brand new car and none of your other motherfuckers can even afford to pay their fucking rent, guess what? They're going to fucking hate you. That's what struck me about your story, yours and Chris's story, that early on, you know, you're strapped for cash and you're not even living in a, you know, really run down apartment. You're not living in an apartment at all. No. You know, like you're... Staying but overnight pe- pe- people's houses. You're, yeah, but you're Vaughn, I'm telling you, dude. Like I, 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 tell that, I tell that story and people think it's bullshit. Right. You know what I'm saying? I tell people that and they think it's bullshit. They think it's made up. They think because like, dude, every motherfucker on Instagram right now has a quote unquote story of rags to riches. I'm gonna tell you right now, we live that shit. Now everybody else can fucking say whatever they want. You know, I see these guys like, oh, 14 months ago I was living in my mom's basement. Now I'm a millionaire. Bullshit. You know what I mean? We did it. We lived it. I got people who, I mean, numerous people who know us as that. And, uh, you know, we're still doing it. And that's why, you know, you could tell that we really did that because both him and I are scared shitless that we're going to lose it every fucking day. You know, and I don't want to go back to that. You know, and that's a great thing. That's a great thing, dude, to have that hunger, to have that intensity, to have that fear that you're going to go back and be broke when you've already started to do some good things. What do you think makes you want to do better? What do you think gets you up in the morning? Because when you start with somebody else's money and you invest it and you turn it into something, you never really experience those hard struggles. You never really experience that fucking grind, the real grind. And because of that, you're never really afraid because you don't know what it's like. And that fear is the biggest driving force that I could even comprehend uh, at this point in my life. And I hope that it stays that way for my whole life. You know, I don't want to ever be comfortable. Like, dude, I enjoy the nice shit. Like, I enjoy the flying on the private plane and driving a fucking Lamborghini or whatever. I enjoy it, but I don't ever take it for granted. I don't ever say, this is my life. Like, every day I get in my nice car or I drive somewhere, I go on a trip and I meet some successful people. I try to step back and be like, God damn, dude. If they only knew, I'm just some broke-ass dude from South St. Louis County. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's how I feel about myself. But I don't want to ever lose that, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, that's important. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i just belaboring the point here. But I, what year was it that you guys started? 99. So, 99. So, what do you think the average apartment costs in 99? Uh, like down, down in Springfield. Our first apartment that we had was like 400 a month or something right. like that. Right. So, 400 a month. For plus, a three-bedroom. Right. For a three-bedroom. So, so, 400 a month, you know, probably $100, $100 in, in utilities a month. Yeah. I mean, that's what? That's over five, five, six grand a year. Right. And again, people say, oh, five, six grand, but he, they were doing a manufacturing business in a, in a retail store. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Or it's, it's just every yeah, little bit Yeah, but dude, counts. we live like that. So you like know? that, and, but we still run our business like that. Like people don't understand that because they look at it like, let's just say like, let's just say, you know, I've got fucking like 10 cars now and they look at like, let's say the Aventador and they say, dude, that's a $600,000 fucking car. And they're like, you know, um, they think of it in their terms. So they're like, God, dude, to afford a $600,000 car, you know, that, that would take all my money. So I'm sure that's taking all his money. No, I live very fucking responsibly. You know what I mean? Like we're doing very well. So like what I spend money on, like I know it doesn't look like from the outside, but in relative terms, I'm very fucking responsible with my money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're, we still live in the same way where we're, we're not spending not even close to what we make. And we're taking most of our money and putting it back in our company. It's just that our company's gotten so big that the little money that we do take is a lot more money than most people fucking make. It's relative. Right. It's all relative. So, 
You, you know what I mean? You have to think of it like that. No, absolutely. Um, so this is related a little bit, but one of my favorite posts that you ever posted in the last couple of years was you, you posted something about it. And I don't know if it was when you were still doing, um, what was that a social media platform? Uh, Periscope. Yeah. But you posted the fact that you, you got a speeding ticket. It was like a $200 ticket. Yeah. And some guy posted, and I, you know, I don't blame him, but he posted like, no big deal, eh, eh Andy? And your response was, yeah. It's a two hundred dollar parking ticket. Yeah, and, and two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks is two hundred bucks. It doesn't matter if if it was when you were starting out or now. Yeah. And again, the longer I'm around you, and and I, I confess I, I've had to learn this in my life. Yeah. But the longer I'm around you, people who are wealthy and stay wealthy, they don't look at it. Oh, it's only two hundred dollars. Right. They put a name on everything that they spend. Right. And, and if they had to spend two hundred dollars. Like they know, you know right exactly th- it pisses them off well you know? that that's actually a great transition to the last point which is you know and it's it is the most important point okay you've got to know where every dollar is going and, and this is basic shit right and know where every dollar is going but dude it's amazing to me that when i sit down like with other entrepreneurs or young business guys or young business girls and i start asking them questions they don't even know the basics of a cash flow report or uh you know or where they're what, how much they spend on marketing, or how much they spend on uh, payroll, or like, dude, I could tell you to the fucking pay period how much I spend on payroll. I could tell you to the fucking penny what I spend on marketing every week. I, dude, when I look at my fucking cash flow report that I get every single morning, I, it's like the Matrix. Like I fucking see shit that people would never see. I can look at our cash flow report because I've been doing it for 17, 18 years now, and I could tell. What my I could tell what questions my fucking sales reps are asking when they're talking to people. I could t- and I could tell what because I could tell what products they're selling and not selling. I could tell uh, if they're following up with their customers. I could tell all kinds of crazy shit by looking at the numbers. And so you have to start disciplining yourself to get yourself the proper reports on an every single day basis. Know where your money's going. Know what it's doing. You can start to figure out why things are going, and you'll have a, you'll start to develop this amazing, like three D comprehensive vi- vision of what's going on in your company, to where you don't have to go and sit with your sales reps to find out what they are or aren't doing. You could just see it on the report, and that's what you need to get to. So, you know, a lot of people discount. You know, oh, you know, that was only fifty bucks, or we went to lunch and that was that was you know a hundred bucks, or we did this and that. And they don't have the discipline to really learn the numbers. And I think a lot of people, like, <clears throat> I think a lot of people would be surprised, that, like, how how much of a numbers person I am. Like, I I'm, I live and die by the numbers. You know what I mean? Uh, and I didn't learn that shit in one day. I learned it a little at a time over the course of time. And so, even if you're just starting out and you you uh, are selling two or three or four items a day. You need to develop reports because if you could develop the reports now and dude, you, they're going to, people are going to say, well, where do I develop these reports? Dude, build out an Excel sheet, learn how to use Excel. Excel is an amazing tool. All right. Um, as you grow to a mid-sized company, you'll have, you'll have a company come in and help you develop custom reports and software. But I mean, those are expensive. You know, I think our last software was over a million dollars, but, but until that time we were doing it on Excel, which was free. So don't let the lack of understanding how to do this stop you from doing it. Build out a basic Excel sheet. Oh, you don't know how to use Excel? Well, there's this amazing tool out there called YouTube that'll teach you all you need to know about Excel. Don't you hate math, too? I do. I was terrible at math. 
Like when I when I on my ACT, I scored above thirty on every single category except math. I've got a nineteen, but that's because I rely too much on reports <laughs> and not enough on actually. Right. I rely too much on technology. But the point is, is that you know, um, I love math. I love math when it's money, but if it's math for other shit, I don't like it. You just like count yeah. your Benjamins. Right. 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 So, um, that, so you know, guys. Take that last point serious. You know, build little reports. Do them yourself. You don't need to hire somebody to do that. And if you have questions, you can usually find the answer through YouTube. And, and just start building through, through Excel. And eventually, you'll be able to create these reports for your company to look. And you'll be able to see everything that's going on. And, and you, it's going to make you a better business person. Guys, if you're not following Andy yet on Instagram, he has a newly minted verified account. verified account yeah so at andy frisella on instagram and snapchat are you still mfceo-1 on yeah Sna- yeah on snapchat and then uh facebook.com forward slash andrew frisella that's right all right and so- make sure you go to uh ask the mfceo.com submit your questions for frisella factor uh we've got a couple shows already taped we're trying to build up a little bank before we start putting them out uh that's going to be it. well it already is for us a lot of fun so uh, if you have a question, like we don't really do a Q&A segment on the podcast too much. So if you have a question for us, uh, if you want to know something, you know, this was a good podcast on practical knowledge. If you have a good practical question, if you have a mindset question, whatever, whatever question, we're going to answer them all on the show. So uh, ask the MFCEO.com, Check that out. And guys, as always, you know, um, I don't monetize this, this platform. Uh, I, I do this because I love it. And I'm not saying I won't monetize it at some point. I just don't now. And, you know, if you found this podcast valuable, uh, please, you know, reciprocate that value by bringing us at least one friend, sharing the podcast, maybe make a post for us. Uh, Just do something to help us grow this because the reality of what we're doing here is that we're teaching the shit and helping people do things in a a realist way, okay? We're, We're taking the real things for real experience and teach you people how to grow themselves and their businesses, their financial income, and the rest of their lives through the principles of entrepreneurship. So if you know someone who would enjoy the podcast, you know, turn them on to us. Is that it? I got nothing to add to that. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>